Welcome to the Dag Heward Mills podcast. Dag Heward Mills podcast is a broadcast outreach of Dag Heward Mills Ministries, which has the duty to bring you the very best from the vast teaching archive of healing evangelist, best-selling author, and megachurch pastor, Dag Heward Mills. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God, so today's message is relevant for anyone with a desire to make our Heavenly Father happy. This Thursday, Bishop Dag will remind you why faith is very important in our walk with God and you will learn what it means to practically walk by faith and not by sight as a believer, even when the end of something is not yet seen. Allow today's word to renew and boost your faith and trust in God whilst increasing your ability to believe. Enjoy the word. Turn with me please to the book of Hebrews. One, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5. And let's read verse 7. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. How many have heard that scripture before? I believe most of us. Let's read it together again. Amen. Right. I am sharing with you about walking by faith. Walking by faith. Hallelujah. Now, um, the Bible teaches us that faith is very, very important uh, for our Christian life and so on. And I've been impressed by the Lord to really share about how important it is for us to be what we are, which is believers. Amen. The Bible tells us that we walk by faith, we live by faith. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Let's read some verses on faith. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38. Have you found it? Let's read it together. Ready, go. Amen. Let's turn to Habakkuk chapter 2. When you find Habakkuk, Wow. <laughs> I'm struggling, so. Habakkuk chapter 2. <laughs> it's between Nahum and Zephaniah. <laughs> Does that help? Habakkuk chapter 2, verse number 4. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. If anyone asks you some scriptures that are in two places, there are many of such scriptures, 
Habakkuk 2, 4, and 10, Hebrews 10, 38 are the same. All right? Proverbs 14, 12, and 16, 25 are the same. And there are many like that. So, the Bible says in Hebrews 10, verse 38, again, it says, the just shall live by faith. And if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Now, God expects us to walk by faith or by believing in him. Believing in the things that he has said. The things that he has taught. Hallelujah. And the key thing that impresses God and touches God's heart concerning us is our faith in him. Hallelujah. Now, we all have our traditional um, beliefs or concepts about what is good and what is bad. If someone is talking about being righteous or a righteous person, you know, this person is very good. You know, we have in mind that maybe he doesn't smoke he doesn't drink. Is that not so? They have about four. Five of such things. He doesn't, just help me. He doesn't do what? He doesn't commit fornication. He doesn't smoke. He doesn't drink. He doesn't steal. And he doesn't lie. And then you are on your way to heaven. He doesn't kill. You are guaranteed a place in heaven. Is that not so? That is how we have uh, described or prescribed righteousness for ourselves. Because we, we do know that people who live lives where they smoke harm themselves. With time, it's quite easy to see that smoking is not helpful. Drinking is not helpful. Fornicating around is not helpful. Um, stealing is not helpful. And lying is not helpful. I mean, it's not, it doesn't take long to find out that these things are not good things, right? So we as human beings become more aware of the fact that these things are not good. And so we tend to judge by these invisible rules we have created for ourselves as Christians that this is goodness. If you marry a man who doesn't steal, doesn't lie, doesn't smoke, doesn't drink, doesn't fornicate. Man, you are covered. If you marry a woman who doesn't steal, she doesn't lie, she doesn't kill, she doesn't fornicate, she doesn't drink, you have it made. Because you've married a good person. Now, I don't blame you and I don't blame myself. I just pray that for mercy. But, we human beings are making a great mistake. If we really want to come near to God or make God happy, we are going to have to rethink some of these things and come up with God's standards for our lives. Amen. All these things that we've mentioned are not good. They are in the Bible anyway that they are not good. Some of them are our own creation, you know, but generally it is known and it's biblical that they are not helpful things. They are not good things, so we should stay away from them. But still, that does not make us righteous enough before God. Hallelujah. Turn with me to First Samuel, chapter 16. Now, the reason why I don't blame you is because people who are more spiritual, you get it, make the same mistake. Amen. We are so human that God needs to have, help us to see what is good. Praise the Lord. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. 
Now the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided me a king among his sons. Are you conversant with this story? This was when David was chosen to be the king. And uh, God was angry with Saul and he sent Samuel to fill his horn and go to David's father's house. And uh, David ended up being anointed by the prophet as the king. All right. Now verse 2. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take an heifer with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. So now the pastor is going on visitation. He is going to somebody's house, somebody who did not practice family planning as we know it. And so has many, many children. Many of them are grown up. They are big. And he gets to the house and he's going to choose the best one to become the king. How many would agree that the best person should become the king from the family? He's going to choose the nicest person whom will be approved by God himself. Praise the Lord. Then in verse 4, and, thou, and, and Samuel did that which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Comest thou peaceably? Now they were scared when the pastor came to visit them. Have, have I done something wrong? Is something bad going to happen? Is God going to send, you know, is, is there something wrong? Have we committed some sin and God is revealed and now the pastor is coming to visit us. And they said, Comest thou peaceably? Verse 5. And he said, Peaceably I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come, because he was looking, because you see, God has specially said, Jesse. The man is called Mr. Jesse. He's a managing director of this t- company. Right? His name is Mr. Jesse. And when you see him, it's his, one of his children, one of his sons. So notice. Verse 6. And it came to pass, when they were come, that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely, the Lord's anointed is before him. This must be the guy. But the Lord rebuked the pastor and said, Pastor Samuel, you are making the mistake which all men make. You are looking outside, but I look inside. Because something may look nice outside, but it is not what I like when you go inside. So notice verse 7, and you've got you to remember this scripture for the rest of your life. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature. You see, he was, he was, he was showing Samuel's mistake. He said, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature. Some people feel that when a person is tall, then he's a, he's, he must be a powerful leader. And so Samuel was making that mistake. Because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance. But the Lord, the Lord... The one who matters, he looketh on the heart. Amen. Amen. Let's read verse 7 again. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his 
countenance or on the height of his stature. For God seeth because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Amen. Amen. Now, how many are surprised that as a spiritual person like Samuel could make such a mistake? Looking at the way the guy looked on the outside, he looked so nice, he looked so good, he looked so tall, so handsome, so uh, 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 his face, you know, he didn't have any pimples on his face. You get it? He said, look at his countenance, his face. He said, look at his face. So fresh, so young, so mature, so rosy, so whatever. And don't look on his, at his height. And this was what Samuel was doing. Now this is what we all do. And we all judge ourselves by what is seen outwardly. That is why the Bible tells us to look after our hearts. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Today I'm giving you a good Bible lesson. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. Have you found it? My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes and keep them in the midst of thy stomach. In the midst of thy where? Thy heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Verse 23. Keep thy intestines with all diligence. Keep thy stomach with all diligence. Keep thy brains with all diligence. Keep thy what? Thy heart. Thy heart with all diligence. Why? For out of it are the issues of life. Amen. Keep thine heart with all diligence. Because out of it, let's read it together again. Keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Of life. Now, that is a little blind to us. What do you mean by the issues of life? The, the, the issues of life are everything that concerns us. All the issues that occur, that take place in life. Your success, your, your marriage, your home, your life. The way your life is going to turn out. The way your future is going to be. You get it. The, 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 the things you achieve. Your finances, your spirituality, your, your humility. All these things come from within, from the heart. Keep thine heart. Evil gets into the heart. Wickedness, revenge, bitterness. Keep your heart. Protect your heart. Because something may get into your mind, but if it doesn't get into your heart, it hasn't got you yet. You cannot prevent a bird from flying over your house. But you can prevent it from making a nest in your house. It's the same thing with the thoughts that come to you. You cannot prevent certain thoughts from coming to your mind. If you see a, a nice young man coming by, you cannot stop yourself from noticing that this is a nice young man whom I would like to marry. But you can stop yourself from beginning to have a watering mouth and beginning to think about things you should not think about. Same thing goes for the man seeing a beautiful girl by the road. You can control your car from driving into the gutter. And you can, you, we are not saying that don't notice that she is beautiful because God created all things nice and beautiful. Is that not so? All things Bright and beautiful. The Lord God made them all. Bright and wonderful. The Lord. The Lord God made them all. All right. So God made them all. So God is not, and, and God does not expect you not to notice. If you don't notice them, you are not being real. 
but you can prevent yourself from going further. Can I have an amen? amen. Tell the person next to you, the thing is getting closer to you now. Hallelujah. Amen. amen. So, so the Bible says, keep thy heart. Keep your heart. Protect it. Listen to me. You will not do anything until it's in your heart. Everything you do is what has been in your heart for some time. If you do it, it's because it's been in your heart for some time. I have always wanted to be a pastor when I proposed to my wife on the 26th of August, 1985. <laughs> Long before I became a pastor, I told her I was going to become a pastor. And could she marry a pastor? Would she marry a pastor? I said to her. And I was just someone who had just finished my second year in medical school. And uh, there was no sign of being a pastor on me. I was just a normal medical student. I just passed my exams. And I had many, many years ahead of me. And uh, I said, I am going to be. I want to be a pastor. I want to preach. So it's no surprise that today, in the year 2001, many, many years after that day when I proposed to my wife, I am a pastor because it has been in my heart for a long time. That's why you should keep your heart because if something gets into your heart, you will end up doing what is in your heart. One day, you keep thinking. You keep thinking about it. You'll find yourself doing it one day. That's why it says, keep your heart. Protect your heart. How do you protect your heart? You, your heart is next to your mind. Your mind, anything goes, things get into your heart from your mind. After it's been in your mind for some time, it gets into your heart. So then it sort of becomes a part of you. Your heart is the inner man, the spirit, the subconscious part of you, the inner part of you. And so when it stays in your mind for some time, it, it, it goes down into your heart. Amen. The, the gentleman who flew the planes to, into the World Trade Center and into the Pentagon, they didn't think about it the day before. It's just, look, I've got an idea. Let's go on a plane tomorrow and uh, let's, let's take it over. And let's fly it into the World Trade Center. No, no, no. With the little news, bits and pieces of news we are getting, we realize that these people went to flying school many years ago. Five years ago, six years ago. These are things they've thought about. They planned. They thought over it. Over and over and over. They mused over it. They didn't tell. They were so determined. They didn't want anything to affect it that they didn't tell people. Just... The people who were involved and those who were encouraging them. So you will not do something great or something, an issue of life will never take place unless it's in your heart. And what is in your heart is the most important thing. And so God is telling us now that, hey man, me, I don't look at outside. I don't see this person is tall or this person is young, or this person is old, or this person is handsome, or this person is beautiful. I look straight at the heart. So when God sees me, he doesn't see my, my suit. He doesn't see my tie. He doesn't see my shoes. There are people who come to church and they just look at their outward appearance. They just say, I look at his suit. Look at his dress. Look at his shoes. Somebody had enough time to keep monitoring my shoes until he, he came to say that I wear the same shoe every Sunday. <laughs> You, your eyes are filled with outward appearances. You've got a problem. Turn with me to Mark chapter 7. You are commenting on my shoes. Instead of receiving the word. Are you there? Now, verse 14. Are you with me? We are looking at walking by faith, but we're going around about till we get there. Verse 14. And when he had called all the people unto him, are you with me in Mark? 
right? When he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. There is nothing from without a man, or there is nothing outside a human being, okay, that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. If any man have ears, let him hear. Now, what does that mean? He's saying that there's nothing from outside that can defile a man. In other words, if you take in uh, pork, pig, pork, it, it cannot affect you spiritually. If you eat beef, it will not affect you spiritually. If you eat um, chicken, it, it will not affect. There are some people who don't eat pork. They don't eat, they don't eat pigs. You know, they don't eat pork. They don't eat this. I don't eat that. You know, my religion says I shouldn't eat that. I'm a Christian, so I don't eat meat anymore. I don't eat fish. I don't eat beans. I don't eat that. I don't eat that. Hey, man, listen. Jesus said there's nothing. I said there's nothing that you can fry, that you can boil, that you can cook, that you can stir, that when you eat, it's going to defile you spiritually. Simple. So those of you who can't eat this and can't eat that and can't eat that, be free and go home today and fry one and be happy. <laughs> Including frogs. <laughs> and when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. All right? Verse 18. And he saith unto them, Are you so without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him. Because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly. You get it? So, you see, straight away, notice, Jesus is making a differentiation or is distinguishing between the heart and the belly. He said, it didn't go into the heart. It went into the belly. Anything that goes into the belly cannot affect you spiritually. When we were younger in the ministry, we would fast so much. And when it came to time maybe to eat, sometimes if I was going to preach or something, I, I felt that if I ate something, it would affect the anointing. And the anointing would be diverted. And then, I met a preacher who said to me, before I preach, I must eat very well. And before, then I have energy to preach. And then I was surprised. I thought to myself, will it not divert the anointing? Because I had been thinking that it would deflect the anointing. Then I met another pastor who eats very well before. And I met another one who doesn't eat before preaching. And so I realized that God seemed to move with those who don't eat before they preach and those who eat before they preach. So I realized that the thing doesn't enter, it goes into the belly. And the belly is in a different compartment from the heart. Are you listening to me? Yes. So that's very important. It entereth not into the heart, but into the belly. And goeth out into the drops, purging all meats. All he's trying to say is that it goes out into the toilet. Now that's what it means, the old language. Okay, verse 20. And he said, that which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. Now he's talking not about the one that goes into the drops, purging all meats, but something else. Now he explains in verse 21. He says, for, from within. From where? Within. Out of the what? Heart of men. Proceed. Evil thoughts. Adulteries. Fornications. 
murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and defile the man. Amen. So God is showing you once again that it is in the heart that you really have the problem. Amen. And therefore, it is the heart that we must be concerned about and not outward things that we are so concerned about. Hallelujah. Now, who is a good person? Who is the one who makes God happy? Who is the person who pleases God? We read in Hebrews chapter 10. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 38. I love this scripture. Notice. It says, Now the just shall live by faith. Notice. And if any man draw back. Draw back from what? Draw back from faith. My soul shall have no pleasure in him. God will not be pleased with you if you do not have faith. Your righteousness can never amount to anything before God. You try it and see. You don't smoke, you don't drink, you don't do this, you don't do that, you don't do that. The Bible says if you keep the whole law and you offend in one little point, you have offended in all. Turn to James. Some people say, I, I don't use enough scriptures. So today, I'm using enough scriptures. Hallelujah. Uh, where is this scripture? James chapter 2. James chapter 2, verse 10. It says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in three points, he is guilty of some. Let's read it again. James chapter 2, verse number 10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in how many points? 10 points. 20 points. How many points? One point. Yet he is guilty of all. Amen. So that means you can try to be good, Pastor Johnny. You can be holy. I don't do this. I don't say that. I don't watch this. I don't get involved in that. I don't do this. I don't do that. And then, and then suddenly, just at 6.30 in the evening, after not doing this, not doing that, not doing this, not doing that, you suddenly say something wrong. The Bible says you are guilty of all the bad crimes. So there is no way, no way that any of us qualifies on a daily basis before God. That is why Romans chapter 3 verse 10 says, and let's read it. Let's turn to Romans chapter 3 verse 10. Let's turn to Romans chapter 3 verse 10 because some of you don't know it. And I want you to know these verses, underline them in your Bible. If you can't bother to write them down, bother to at least underline it so that you can remember one day when you're going through. Say, I know it's Romans somewhere, somewhere there. Verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one, not even one, no one, no one can make the mark that God has set. Hallelujah. So therefore, how do we become pleasing? How many want to please God? How many want to get to heaven and when you get there, you, you thought you were good? When you get there, you find out that you are some way. Huh? Have you ever done an exam? You thought it was uh, physics. When you got there, it was geography. And you didn't know it. Or you, you thought the syllabus was up to here. And then when you got there, the syllabus was more than that. One of the reasons why I always did well in school was that I did not rely just on what my teachers told me. No, no, no. No. O level, A level. I didn't rely on what my teachers told me. I got the 
Pasco and the marking schemes. And I used the past questions to guide me. In fact, I never, I never learned. That's one of the reasons why I always did well in school. I never learned by just reading. I, don't, I, don't, I can't just read. I learned by reading the question. And when I know the questions that are going to come, I am very well guided into what to learn because I know what I'm going to be asked. Always, through medical school, I always had past questions in my pocket. I'm coming to church, I'm going somewhere, I, I fold it, and it's there. When I have a moment, I just check the question. MCQs. And so, I knew if I had followed what some of my teachers were just telling me, I would not have passed my exams. When I was in, doing my A-level, I, I, I decided to get another chemistry teacher. So I went to the best chemistry teacher in Ghana, Mr. Pepra, in Presec. Is that not so? Yeah. And I went for classes all the time. When I was doing my O-level, some of the classes I didn't even go. I, I knew what was going to be asked. So I got ready, and I, I did well. Always at the top. Because, why? Because I'm clever? No. Because I'm stupid. And because I'm stupid enough to know, I, I know that I'm so stupid that I cannot learn everything. So I better get ready for the particular one that's going to be asked me. I'll say it again because you didn't get it. Why did I do well in the exam? Because I'm clever? No. Because I'm stupid. Because I'm so stupid, I know that I can't learn everything about physics or everything about chemistry or everything about maths or everything about geography so let me learn the one that will be asked and for every topic there are a limited number of questions you can ask so the best way to get ready is to prepare for what is going to be asked over there not for everything but for what's going to be asked. One day you and I are going to stand before God. You say you are a believer. One day we will stand before the judgment seat like this. You will be nothing. I will be nothing. Almighty God. The Bible says for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. You will appear. And you see we are not going in a group. You see when you are in a group you have that comfort. You know it's like. Charlie, what did they ask you? What, 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 what is happening? It's you and God. Everybody dies on a different day unless it's in a bus or a plane or a world trade center or something like that. But everybody dies one by one. You die. Even those who died in a world trade center, they died, each person died at a different time till they all died. Some were, some, some were alive after, but we could, they couldn't get to them before. Some died by falling, some died by burn, some evaporated, some died by being stabbed on the plane before. Everybody had a different way of going. Some suffocated, some were knocked by blocks on the head. Then you go and you stand before God. What will you say? What will be asked? What's going to, the exam going to be like? Don't be too wise. Be stupid like me and just start to prepare for the things that are going to be asked. When you say, I didn't smoke. Foolish. Get out, get, get out of there. You, you didn't smoke. Let me tell you something. You see, these are our own. You see, if you are, if you are going for an exam, you can create your own. Say, oh, this is what they were asked. You can't argue. When you go, the question is there. You come with your big mouth and so on. They've asked something. Answer. You may shout and everything in your room that it will never come. This, that, that. When you go, the thing will be there and you've got to do it or you fail. So you go and say, I didn't drink Guinness. Uh, because my body is the temple of God. So I didn't destroy my body, Lord. Number one. Number two. I didn't smoke because my body is the temple of God. You know something? Drinking. 
Now, don't take this to the other extreme. <laughs> Listen carefully. But you, you want to talk about drink? He said, eh, because it's, uh, my body is the temple of God, so uh, I've, not, I've not been smoking. So, because I know that when I smoke, it is actually destroying my body. Correct, for 100 marks. But there are a lot of other things that destroy your body. Like Coca-Cola. One bottle of Coca-Cola has got sh- six cubes of sugar. Uh, the, uh, the equivalent of six cubes. It's, it's, it's killing your heart slowly. Killing me softly. Have you heard that song before? Killing me softly. Sugar. Butter. Uh, chocolate. Toffee. What is toffee? The fat of the bottom of a, a turkey. Oil that we eat. Somebody said, we drink oil in this country. And so our hearts and our blood vessels are being lined with oil, plaques, scleroma of the vessels. And you are, it's gradual. So you are destroying your body gradually. Amen. I don't eat all those things that you have mentioned. So, I am okay. But you don't do any exercise. You are just there like that. (laughs) And your body was also not made to just be there. So, gradually you are killing yourself and you are destroying the temple that God gave to you. Many of the things that we take have... even though you are making a big fuss of smoking and drinking and so on, even drinking, Paul at a point he said, take a little wine for your stomachs. It's in the Bible. <laughs> it's not in the Quran, it's in the Bible. <laughs> hey, when we went to church today, they told us that we should take some wine to be drinking. I would not advise you to take that advice. <laughs> Today I've had what I've been waiting for in the church. (laughs) I mean, the first miracle of Jesus was not healing. It was turning water into wine. (laughs) So, you realize that it's like we are making a big thing over things that we have chosen are good or bad. We've chosen that this is good, this is bad, this is good, this is bad, this is good, this is bad. But our righteousness before God, the, the pleasure, God has pleasure. So I was asking God, Lord, what is it that I can do? And the Lord said, there's nothing you can do or not do that makes me happy or that pleases me per se. You see, we are saved by faith through grace or by grace through faith. Abraham became righteous because, because, because he believed. He said, he, God told him, you will, your, your children are going to become like the stars of heaven. And the Bible said he believed it. And the Bible says, God counted it to him as righteousness. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. We will continue next week by God's grace. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. Now, faith is the substance of things Hope for the evidence of things not seen. Verse 2, underline verse 2. Don't underline verse 1, underline verse 2. Verse 2 is what you need. It says, for by it, the elders obtained a good report. We are all going to have a report written about us. And we are going to have a report, good or bad, one day. One day, and the report 
what is going to make us have a good report? What is going to make us have a good report? The fact that you didn't smoke? I don't smoke. The fact that you didn't drink? I don't drink. And I'll not advise anybody to smoke or to drink. It's not good even, even for your health, even medically. It's not a good thing. These two factors are contribute greatly to heart disease, early death, cancer, so many things. There's no good reason why you, you, like, you, you, should, you should take these things. But the question that we are asking is that, what makes God give you a good report one day? Ha. Ha. I am stupid. God should forgive me for my foolishness. But in my stupidity, I have decided to select what gave those people a good report? When they did A-level, they, they got a good report at A-level because they used this and that. Therefore, I am also going to do the same A-level. I'm also going to have the same examination. God is going to assess me. I am going to stand before God just as these earlier ones went to stand before God. What made them have a good report? The fact that they didn't smoke? The fact that they didn't commit fornication? No? No? None of these things are good. Fornication gives HIV now. All these things are not common sense and so many things will tell you that it's not a good thing. But what gives you a good report? Faith. It says, for by faith, for by it, the elders obtain a good report. Powerful. Verse 38 of Hebrews chapter 11. And of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 39. And these all, these all, after mentioning so many of the Christians of the Old Testament, he said, and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. They obtained a good report through faith. Faith and your belief in what is preached. You're believing in what is being said. You're believing in the vision God gives you. You're believing in the word of knowledge you had. You're believing in what your pastor says. You're believing in the man of God as somebody sent by God. You're believing in what you read. You're believing in what is being said. It's what makes you a good person before God. I'll say that again. You didn't get me. I know you didn't get me. You know what makes you good before God? You're believing in God, believing in his word, believing in what the pastor said, because it's not only what you read in the Bible, you must believe all the messages that come from God through his channels. He has many channels. He has Jesus, he has his servants, he has, he has his word, his written word, word of knowledge, his spirit. He tells you all these different channels. You better believe. Jesus said, believe in God, but believe also in me. Apart from just directly from God, he, he must also be believed in. Believe in God, believe also in me. Believe in his prophets that you may prosper. You may have heard it somewhere before. What is going to make you have a good report? That you believe. Look at us, look at us, look, look at the church. I mean, look at us. Are we better than most of the people outside? Let's, let's, look, you know what? I want you to be honest with me. Let's be honest. Are we much different? Is there much difference between charismatic Christians or us and the people out, out there? Do we not lie the way most people lie? I mean, when Christians are going for visas, To America. Do they not lie? Just like unbelievers. You have Christians giving testimonies. You go, he's called Abraham at home, and then he's called Osai Kufour at work. If you make a mistake and say, hello, can I speak to Abraham? Say, There's no Abraham here. You can easily give the person away. And the person is born again, praying, preaching, speaking in tongues, and paying tithes. Let's face it, are our marriages much different from those in the world? I'm a pastor. This is my work. Are our characters different? The way we behave at home, the way our lives are, 
Do we not, are we not all irritated and annoyed and angry and quarrelsome? Is it basically we are we are basically the same? What differentiates us from those people as far as God is concerned? Just our faith that we have believed in God, we have received Him as our Savior, we have believed in Christ Jesus. That is what has that is what has transferred us from this side to this side, but not because we are better. If it was because our lives are so much better, then we will all not pass. We wouldn't make it. Look at your life. Look at your thoughts. Look, close your eyes and answer. How many have had very bad thoughts before? Bad things have occurred to you before. Ra- raise your hand. Yeah. I didn't want anybody to see you raising your hand because you look so nice that nobody would think that you have bad thoughts. What makes, what has crossed us over that God may be pleased with us and there's somebody out there whom we, we, we may even be worse. When you look at our lives, I've had church members. There's, there's no crime, there's no sin that I've not yet seen my church members involved in. I've had church members arrested for this. I've had ch- I have church members who are in prison for years. I've had church members dr- carrying drugs, church members stealing fraud, church members fornicating, church members going for abortions, church members stealing, lying, killing, everything you can imagine. It is in the church. Maybe a little less, but it's there. What? What? When we come to God, what will we say? (laughs) The only thing we can come to God with is our faith. For by it, the elders obtain a good report. Not because, by by, by the fact that they didn't smoke. The Bible says, for Abraham, it was counted to him for righteousness. What what has brought me to where where I am? I believe, look, I believe in God. I believe in heaven, hell. I believe when the pastor preached and said, you go to heaven or hell. I believe it. Suddenly I was moved. Not that I became an excellent person. I'm not an excellent person. You can ask my wife. I'm not perfect. You can ask anybody who has been with me for many years. But what makes, what, what, what has brought me into God? I believe in him. I accepted him as my savior. Suddenly my status changes. Then in Christ as a Christian, I believe in more things. When I, when I take him to the ministry, I believe in him with all my heart. And I took, I said, I want to serve God. Suddenly my status changed. Not because I'm saving anybody or I'm doing anything, but because I believe in his call. Then he speaks to me in my heart and he tells me, you know, do this or preach like this or teach this. And because I believe that the vision I've had, I believe in it or the conviction I have in my I believe in it. Suddenly my status changes again and I, I move another step. For by it, the elders obtain a good report. I see you getting a good report as you begin to as you begin to believe in things as you believe your status changes by by day every time you believe in something by faith look at Abel and Cain both of them were pastors in the church both of them were shepherds both of them were members it was time for offering Abel went to his farm he was a, a farmer of a sheep goat so he brought one Cain was a cash crop uh, farmer he brought cashew nut, pineapples, herbs, various things he had, and he brought them to God. But the Bible says that, for by faith, Abel offered up a more excellent sacrifice. Let's read it. You, you, you may not believe me that somebody's offering and tithes. Both of them are giving, but one is better. How many want to be among the better ones? Oh, yes. I said, oh, yes. Oh, yes. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was what? Oh, are you with me? Let's read Hebrews 11, verse 4. Sorry. Huh? Hebrews 11, verse 4. Ready, go. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness that he was righteous that's what made him righteous God testifying of his gifts and by it he being dead speaketh 
I may talk to two people, and I, I, I talk to one and say, look, God wants to use you. He wants to use you. He wants you to, he wants you to give yourself to be a shepherd or to be a pastor, or to, to do something, to work for him, to, to give yourself to him. And I'm just a pastor. I'm, I'm nobody. But I'm God's servant. God sent me. God used me to speak to you. Maybe God said, I want you to be in full time. Now you have two Christians, two pastors, two lay pastors, two shepherds, two ordinary church members. You talk to two, two similar. And then one of them believes more in what you are saying. So that person steps forward and says, I believe it. I want to become a shepherd. Now the person becomes a shepherd. Now that person is not even maybe doesn't have much talent or doesn't have much whatever. And this other person has more talent and even does other things and really helps around. But by the fact that this person has believed, he has changed his status to become more pleasing to God. Because by faith, because all of them are offering sacrifices. Sometimes you may have even maybe a full-time pastor and a lay pastor. Maybe the lay pastor works harder than the full-time pastor. But maybe the lay pastor does not believe so much. You believe in heaven and hell. You believe God is there. You believe the future. One day God will judge us and so on. But does not really believe that he has to give himself fully. Even though he's sharing 1,200 times. But this other person may say, I, I, I believe it. I, I want to do it. Suddenly, there's a difference. Not by what, the, because the lay pastor crowd may work harder, sacrifice more than even the full-time person who is comfortable. It's wonderful. But by believing, suddenly you just change before God. I am not going to, I, I believe that it's not going to be when you get to heaven, say, oh, you did this, you did this, you did this. You believe. What did Abraham do? He just believed. You know Abraham, you know him. The guy who, when he was traveling with his wife, he told his people that were coming for his wife, and he told them, tell, tell them, okay, I'm warning you, I'm the head of this house. Tell them I'm your brother. He gave up his wife to be raped by unbelievers. He gave up his wife. And that's, 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 you, you know the Abraham I'm talking about. He's the guy God said became righteous. You are better than him. Arthur, you are better than him. I don't think you've ever given up your wife. Say, uh, when, you get to, when you get to Nigeria, you say that oh, uh, if, if Obasanjo or any of the people there want uh, him, he, he, should, he should come. No, I don't think you are like that. But Abraham, you know him. Abraham, the guy, he gave up his wife. <laughs> then after that, he had a house help. Do you know house help? Do you understand when we say house help? Mates. One day he was looking at the house. <laughs> Araba Lucy, I'm going to talk to your mother about something. And he, he talked to the wife and said, you know, Sarah, there are some things we must discuss. The, the reality is that we don't have a child. Eliza of Damascus, he's the one who is going to inherit all our things. So your maid, what do you think about that? Sarah said, I don't think about that. <laughs> Abraham put down his foot. We had Ishmael. He was just sleeping with a maid. He, he was just sleeping with the. You see, to have one pregnancy, you need several meetings. <laughs> just sleeping. I mean, the maid was in the next room. He just go here, come. Oh, man! I don't think you, in, you, you and me in this society, we will accept such a person. You know him. I said, you know him. The guy, after <laughs> he went to kill his son. You see, this type of people, killing your child. He went to kill his son. I believe that Sarah left him after he tried to kill Isaac. Have you seen a father trying to kill the son before? Carry the son in your mind. You are going the knife. You are going to kill various things. But this is a man who believes. That puts him as a righteous person before God. Because the reality is that you can do. Uh, then after that, Sarah was not there. Then he went for another wife. Keturah. <laughs> you know, you know him. You know Abraham. I'm, I'm talking about Abraham. 
I'm talking about somebody you know. I'm not talking about a stranger. He said he was counted to him for righteousness because he believed. Believing shifts you. You keep shifting and become more pleasing. For by it, the elders obtain a good. Not by what you are doing. Abel and Cain, what was the difference in their sight? Both of them gave what they had. But this one, people in church, you, don't, you say you are a believer. Many of us, many of us are, should be, to be ashamed to call ourselves believers. Believer in what? What do you believe in? In what? You come to church, pay your tithes, you'll be quarreling with me, arguing. You wouldn't pay your tithes. I've had people telling me, do you know how much I earn? Do you know how much? I earn so much, you expect me to be tight of what I earn? When it's time to pay tight, you see how few people in the church support. But for Islam, you should see how they are pumping. People believe. Yesterday I saw on the news, uh, Saudi Arabian ambassador presenting or meeting with the, the regional minister of Accra. He was telling them they have, they have built 35 clinics out of 50 and they have set up several Islamic institutions and so on. And it's coming up slowly. It's good. We are grateful for their donation. Many countries were different. Then suddenly, Islam came slowly. In Nigeria, they've taken off half. We, we are believers. When it's time to donate, when we were launching my book, there was a gentleman here who read a speech about how Christian the countries were in the north of Africa. I want to get that little excerpt that he, he read. So Christian and so believing. Oh, I used to say believing, but Christian. And today, there's no sign of Christianity there. Others have taken over. And they are always showing us what it means to believe. They believe and you, you sit there, attack me, criticize me, say things, instead of supporting, instead of paying your If you believe, I preach to you 1,144 times. Paying of tithes, contributing, giving your offering. And people don't pay tithes. If you believe that it is God's money, you wouldn't steal it privately. Privately, if you believe, you wouldn't. Is that kind of man rob God? If you believe you are stealing from God, you wouldn't take it. Stand to your feet. Let's close. your hand and ask God if you believe. Ask him if you believe. Ask him to forgive you. But we walk by faith. For by faith the elders obtain a good report. Father, have mercy on us. Keep us, Lord. Deliver us. Help us, Lord. Ask God to forgive you and ask him to help you to be a believer. A believer. Father, I thank you. I believe in you. I trust you. I decide to obey you from today. Help me to be a believer. Help me to believe the things that I am hearing. Help me to be believe. Help me to 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 believe. Help me not to have an evil heart of unbelief. Evil heart of unbelief. Thank you, Lord, for faith in you in Jesus' name. As every head is bowed and every eye closed. If you want to give your life to Jesus, pastor, pray with me. I want to be born again. I want to give my life to God. If you are here, maybe somebody invited you. Maybe you just came to church. Maybe you just came on your own. But deep down in your heart, you know you are far away from God. Pastor, pray with me. I want to be born again. If you are here like that, lift up your right hand and I'll pray with you. Lift it up high. God bless you. Lift it up high. Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be born again. Lift it up high. One, two. I see your hand. I see your hand. God bless you. I see your hand. Lift it up high. I want to give my life to God. God bless you. God bless you. All those who have lifted your hand, come, come to me in the front and I'm going to pray with you. There's room at the cross for you. At the cross. Come, come, join them. Come quickly. Come from the back. Come from the side. Come from wherever you are. There is room at the, the cross for you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. The millions, the millions have, have come. There is still room for, for one. Yes, yes there is room. At the cross for you. 
Let's pray. Say this prayer. Close your eyes from the bottom of your hand. Say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me for all my sins. I realize that I'm a sinner, that I don't know you. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Write my name in the book of life. From today, Jesus Christ, I am yours. I believe in you. I will serve you. I will obey you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Visit www.daghewardmills.org today for more audio and video messages, information on upcoming events, and so much more. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to receive new messages every single day. And remember, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind.